0: Episode 7 They made it in under two minutes and found poor Emily trying to reason with two burly six-foot men piling goods from the shelves into shopping bags while comforting two old ladies on the verge of hysterics. She looked about ready to cry herself. Chris burst into the shop and Bruce pulled up next to him. Tommy hung behind them. Just what the fuck do you think you're doing in my shop? Chris spat in a loud, clear, commanding voice of aggression and menace, quite unlike anything Bruce had ever heard from him before. The swearing was a first, too. It seemed this whole CME thing, whatever it was, was making people behave like he had never seen them behave before. First Joe, then Alfred, and now Chris. This impressed the gravity of the situation on him more than the power cut and the CME news had done. He looked at Chris in awe. The voice stopped the two looters in their tracks. One of the old ladies screamed and dropped her handbag. The other cowered in the corner one of the looters turned around flipped open a switchblade knife advanced a step towards chris and held the knife out in front of him at shoulder height his powerful arm extended you stay out of this mate no chris raised his cricket bat look we saw the news the solar storm they said and there ain't nothing no one can do about it the power grid is fried we're on our own Nathan and I are just getting ahead of the game, before all the shops are emptied. Like hell they are. Another step. Nate put down his bag and drew his own knife. Bruce took a step forward, arms outstretched, palms outwards. Hey, come on chaps, it doesn't have to be this way. We can figure something out, just put those away and let's talk we're talking about nothing Bruce these two gentlemen Chris spoke the word with the emphasis of heavy sarcasm are leaving he stood like a rock sounded like a rock enough of this shit the first looter advanced on Chris Chris took a swing at him with the bat like lightning He did not even hesitate. The looter bent backwards just in time and the bat missed him by two inches. Nate lunged forward with his knife. Chris did not even blink, much less try to evade the knife. He simply gave another huge swing before the knife arrived and Nate fell to the floor in his effort to avoid the blow, the bat whooshing over his head. He scrambled backwards towards his companion and the two of them stood there like two wolves, waiting for a sign of weakness from their prey. I mean it! Out, you fucks! Chris roared, his eyes bulged out, and he started bouncing on the balls of his feet, just itching to take another swing at the two louts. The screaming old lady dissolved into hysterics, and the other one started wailing. Bruce's awe increased. Now this was determination. This was power. He wanted Nate or the other fool to be rash enough to charge at Chris. He felt Chris's intoxication infect him. He wanted that cricket bat to make contact. Chris was not aware of anything in the world except the two fucks who thought that they could intimidate him and drop his father's shop his shop. He took a big step forward, extended his arms outwards and sideways in a come at me gesture and bellowed in an almighty voice. Come on! He gave a feral roar. The first looter gave Nate a look. Come on man, let's get out of here. This fucker's crazy. There are plenty of other shops out there. Nate nodded. They moved slowly towards the door, tracing a large, wary arc around the demon with the killer bat. That's right. Fuck off. And if you ever come back, I'll break your skulls. Out! They edged their way out of the door and took off. Bruce exhaled deeply. What? That was unbelievable. You were like a hero, a god. You could have completely destroyed them. You shut up. Chris gradually came back to Earth. He took a deep breath, heaving air into his lungs and letting the tension out. There was silence. Bruce looked at him in admiration Tommy in hero worship, tinged with fear, Emily in awe, and the two ladies in open terror. Ten seconds passed. The charge atmosphere dissipated. Chris deflated. He turned to the two old ladies with his habitual, charming smile. I am sorry about that. People have no respect for private property nowadays. Now that's sorted, can I get you two lovely ladies anything? The two lovely ladies decided that no, they did not need anything after all, and left the shop as warily as the two would-be looters had done. Okay, now, uh, thank you Tommy for your help. Emily, give him a fiver from the till. Thank you for holding down the fort, Emily. I think we'd better close up for today. You can take the day off. I'll pay you in full. He locked up, drew down the shutters, and fixed a cheery notice to them, such as only an understated Englishman could compose. We are sorry to announce that, due to a slight incident, we are closed for today. We will be open for business as usual tomorrow. We apologise for the inconvenience and hope that you have a lovely day. ''Well, that's one way to put it,'' Bruce said. The two of them walked back to their flat thoughtfully, to find Alfred running things like a military operation, the two baths being filled, and Dorian still in his pink underwear. Ten minutes later, all three processes had been brought to completion. The initial measures having been taken, Alfred subsided into an armchair, the bathtubs and all large containers had been filled with water, and Dorian had been coaxed into some clothes. They assembled in the living room of flat three and discussed their next move. We still don't know how serious this thing is, Martin said, ever the optimist. Maybe it's just local, they will probably have it fixed in a day or two. He nervously removed his glasses and gave them a quick polish with rapid fingers. I wouldn't bet on it, Alfred said. Tommy said the BBC was scared. Joe's panicky messages to Bruce bear that out. But there's no way to tell. I'm sure they'll get things sorted. The government will fix things, Clive said. I wonder how soon it usually takes to get the power grid back up when it goes down. He reached for his phone to look this up. Realised. Shit. Quite. Alfred smiled wryly. Bruce stood up, clapped his hands and rubbed them together in a way meant to generate energy, enthusiasm and hearty good cheer. Well. Well. I'm cooking breakfast. Who wants some bacon and eggs? Beans, sausages, the works. That should cheer us up. Martin, help me out so I don't blow up the kitchen. How will you cook them? Martin asked in a quiet voice. Oh, shit. Bruce slowly sat back down. I guess that leaves cereal then. Good idea. Alfred said, We may as well drink the milk and eat all the perishables from the fridge. They'll be inedible tomorrow. Damn, man, you sure do know how to point out how screwed we are. Just being practical. Well, I'll go and work out then. That'll put me in the right frame of mind. I don't recommend that. There's nowhere to take a shower now. Okay, we are screwed. No fry-up, no phones, no gym, no shower. Okay, enough of that. This isn't helping. I need some food, Chris said. Bruce looked at him with a newfound respect, born of the standoff at the corner shop. You should have seen him, Dorian. Those two thugs came at him with knives and he swung his bat at their heads. They barely got out of the way in time. He dared them to come at him. He wanted them to come at him. And his face, his eyes were starting out of his head. He looked like he was about to explode. And his scream was inhuman. He was like one of those mythical gods. You'd have loved it. Dorian looked quietly at Chris. I would never have guessed. I'd always thought Alfred had the most negative energy here. And Bruce, look at his display yesterday at lunch, and how happy he is at your aggression now. But it looks like it's three of you. Violence is never the answer. What, should I just have let them rob my shop? They'd have got what's coming to them. Your shop ultimately doesn't matter. What matters is your spirit and whether you create good karma or bad karma. Now, if we've nothing else to discuss, no more bathtubs to scrub and no more crises to deal with, then I have to go and meditate. It helps me start the day with the right mindset and all this tension and activity has disrupted my balance. Please don't disturb me for half an hour he got up and started towards the door. Just make sure you don't get in the bath in a meditative trance and spoil our water supply. Clive called after him. Thanks for the reminder. Dorian was ever ready to take a joke at his own expense. Bruce and Chris went to eat cereal and enjoy probably the last cold milk they would ever taste. And the others sat together reflectively. I hope my parents are okay, Martin said. My mother has been very upset over the pandemic, and now this. Her health is not that great as it is. I'd better call them. He reached for his phone. Clive put a hand on his arm gently. Martin? Oh. He removed his hand, which flopped limply down beside him. I'll just have to drive down there. It's an eight-hour drive, so I'd better go if I want to make it by nightfall. Again, Martin. Even more gently. Oh, right. Sigh. We really are screwed, aren't we? Will the landlines work? He looked at Alfred with forlorn hope. Alfred shook his head. Radios? Not unless you and your parents both have an amateur radio. What's an amateur radio? Sorry, Martin. Another shake. To think that we could have reached this point in the 21st century... I'm sure it's just temporary, but still. So what shall we do? All our usual activities are out. How about a game of chess? Alfred asked. Sounds good. The library? Yes. The two of them went back to flat four and over to Alfred's library. The part of the living room between Alfred's room and the open kitchen area along the wall farthest from the front door had been walled off by a row of bookshelves to give the feeling of a cosy little room. Inside, two comfy chairs and a table were surrounded by bookshelves on all four sides, leaving only a little opening in lieu of a door. This was Alfred's library his refuge from the world in general and from Doran in particular. It was to this nook that he, Martin and occasionally Chris or Clive retired when they felt the problems and stress of life begin to wear them down. It was therefore the perfect venue for Martin and Alfred's chess match. Clive was left alone. The others all seemed to have something worth doing that didn't require their phone or laptop. Meditation, breakfast, chess. He did not go in for any of these and felt rather lost. He decided to go for a walk. He looked outside, moderately overcast. Hey Siri, is it going to rain? Silence. Hey Siri. Oh shit. Okay, so brolly or no brolly? He decided to risk it, without, and stepped into the street. He had barely gone five minutes when a stolid copper stopped him in his tracks and asked him where he was going. Just for a walk. There isn't much to do at home, what with the power gone. I'm sorry, sir. We have orders from the mayor that everyone must stay at home today, essential activities accepted only. What? Why? There's some unrest around this solar storm. Some people are taking advantage of the confusion. There have been a few muggings and lootings. Also, there is still a pandemic going on, and the last thing the hospitals need now is a fresh wave of patients. I'm sorry, sir, but I have to ask you to return home so that was that no internet no going outside what could he do he liked street photography that was out there was his travel blog that always had work that could be done on it out then there was social media of course out what did the others do with their free time martin liked to cook but that was out He, Dorian, Bruce and Chris played video games. Out. Alfred read a lot. So did Clive, but mostly on the computer. Still, Alfred had a lot of books. He could check those out. And then there was Dorian, who was seemingly never at a loss of things to do. Meditation, books on religion, electric guitar, drums. He even had an easel and paints. None of these particularly grabbed Clive's imagination but he thought that they might be worth a try if all else failed. For now he would give reading a go.